Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hello Game Day podcast. We are joined by Nathan Vardy today, and it is going to be a pearl up because we have more stitch-ups than Dustin Martin has plus ones here tonight. It is going to be an absolute ripper. Don't forget, guys, wherever you're watching, make sure to follow and subscribe to us. Now, Ponchi, give the great man a bit of a pump up, please. Yeah, the uh, the pump up as per usual. So we've got the Gippsland Powerboy, pick 42 in the 2009 draft at Geelong. He played seven seasons down at the Cattery and then moved to the Eagles in 2017 and became a premiership player. So Nathan Vardy, please give us a hello game day. Hello game day. How are you going, boys? Going Excellent, good. Excellent, mate. Cannot complain <laughs> at all. Now, what we like to do normally is we like to just get straight into a few stitch-ups, if that's okay with you, because it really breaks the ice and really sets the tone, if that's all right, mate. Yeah, I'll... I suppose I've got to be all right with it, don't I? So we've had a lot of good sources. And I'm going to give Jakey Anderson a shout out early here because I think you might have you might have been clued on to the fact that he's one of our one of our sources for sure. Now one of the ones that I'm getting is that you used to play basketball when you were younger and you know, that's to be expected with a big fella like yourself. But apparently one day before an under-14 state basketball game, you did the biggest fart and it was so bad that <laughs> you stunk out the court and the refs, and the refs couldn't come on and the, the whole tournament got delayed. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's actually a fair bit of truth behind that. Yeah, there was, we were getting ready and obviously under-14s and state final stuff. And um, yeah, I was a bit nervous and, you know, what it's like when you when the nerves are running and uh, yeah, let one go. And I, I held the truth for ages, for ages. I wouldn't let anyone know because everyone was like, who did that? Who did that? And the whole stadium evacuated pretty much. And yeah, I was, I, no, I don't know, don't know. It was rotten though. It was rotten. But, yeah, a few years later, I come and put my hand up and said, yeah, boys, that was, that was me. Oh, I'm I reckon you should take it to your grave because there's no better feeling than doing a fart and then just having someone someone else blamed for it. In, in my view, oh, and, and and just when you've done one and just waiting for the boys to get a bite of it, you know, yeah. you sort of stand yeah. there waiting, and then when their, their nose pricks up, there's there's no yeah. feeling. You just can't help but laugh out loud before, it, then you just give it give it. That's what I do anyway. Now, <laughs> what ties perfectly into that is that you know. You might be wondering, geez, what have you eaten to 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 make this fart so deadly that it's delayed the whole competition? Now, one one day, the story has it that you ate twenty eight just dim sims before one of the basketball games. Is there any sort of uh, relevance to that? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're spot on. Your sauce is spot on here. <laughs> um, we've got this milk bar in Yarraman, and all the boys for some reason, they all had chicken schnitzel burgers and that was the main attraction to this milk bar. Yeah, and right. for some reason, it took me years to decide that I was going to try one. Like, this is, I'm talking kid, you know, so from sort of seven, eight-year-old to 14-year-old <laughs> and I just wouldn't try it. So I just used to eat Dim Sims and I'd spend about 50 bucks on Dim Sims. And yeah, one day after school, um, went down to the milk bar before we walked back up to the basketball stadium and uh, I got to 20 and then it was sort of like, all right, how far can you go? And yeah, I got to got to twenty eight dimmies. So steam dimmies, effort, but hey, steam dimmies. Nah, mate, they were fried. Dirty fried. fried ones. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. that makes it, that's more impressive at all. So there's no sauce. It was just straight salt. Wow. Looking back, it's rotten. 
I would need yeah. steamed dim sims and soy sauce if I was even going to get remotely close to that. And I'm a mud gut, so <laughs> well done there, brother. Now, you moved on to footy quickly, and I'm getting a story from Snakey again that you, that you played in an under-15s grand final. Can you see this photo? I can see that photo. You yeah. and Snakey running out on the, on the under-15s grand final. Now, the story has it that you had the job that day in silencing but. Uh, you're playing against the Inverloch Conwack Sea Eagles. You could not write that name in a book. <laughs> you had the job against bustling Barry Withers, who used to stand at the top of the circle and yell, where do you want it? <laughs> Is there any truth to oh, that? There's a- there's a tiny bit of truth behind that. And the only bit is that that's what Barry Withers used to yell. Like, <laughs> I was never assigned a job on Barry Withers. But, yeah, for some reason, he used to just scream, where do you want it? <laughs> but, yeah, ne- I didn't play an under-15 grand final even. So, yeah, there's not a heap of truth to that one. Oh, there's been plenty of mayonnaise. I think Snakey just wanted another shout-out on the podcast because he's, that's, this is his second Yeah, he wanted to get his now. head on there and wanted to make it look like he played in the granny, but nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, the Inverloch Conwax Eagles, love that name, but then your old club, you you just would not read about this, the Welshpool Ron Ron Woolside. Is that what it is? Devon, Welsh, Devon Welshpool. Devon Welshpool Ron Ron Woodside. Devon Welshpool, yeah, Ron Ron Woodside, <laughs> like a tongue twister. Bit of a how much yeah. wood could a wood chuck chuck. Um, has, <laughs> and apparently they've asked you to retire and come back and coach in your rookie year. <laughs> oh, there, <laughs> oh, there was a little bit, probably a little bit of truth to that one too. I got asked, but it wasn't quit AFL and come and coach us. It was oh, you know, we'd love for you to come back and coach at some stage. And this was, yeah, in my first year on the list. I'm like, well, I'm probably a fair... I'm hoping a fair few years away from doing that just yet. But, um, <laughs> yeah, they're folded now, so there's no chance of me doing that. They're gone. No longer. Well, it's devastating because with a name like that, they're just... <laughs> they were destined for greatness, but I, I don't know how they're folded now. Throughout your career, juniors and, and now playing in AFL, you're, down to, you're bound to have a few good nicknames. I'm going to take you through them and just hopefully get a bit of uh, background into them. Now, first one, Ladder. Yeah, so I've obviously been tall. I got called Ladder Man a fair bit growing up. So uh, Ladder stuck for a while. I was real skinny too. When I got drafted, I reckon I was about 80 kilos. So um but yeah sort of nearly 200 centimeters and 80 kilos uh yeah ladder seemed to stick pretty easily well it makes sense how about stretch is that similar stretch is similar yeah i think that nearly goes hand in hand with any big bloke doesn't it yeah <laughs> now I thought, I thought we would have gotten dim sims dim sims but instead we've gotten beers yeah so yeah beers Vardy. I, I still caught that that's pretty much the regular one from the from the aaron boys but it, a little bit of it was that I don't mind a beer, but one day we played a school footy game and we borrowed the Yarram Footy Club's reserve jumpers and I wore number 16 and that belonged to a bloke called Chris Beers. So I was running around <laughs> in his jumper and it seemed to be, oh, here he is, Beersy, Beersy, and then Beers Vardy just seemed to stick after that. But... Um, yeah, I think every time I've had a beer with the boys now, it's like, oh, have a look at beers, Marty, go, here he goes. But yeah. uh, it's, uh, That would have gone down well with the recruiters. The most. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm lucky I'm doing this now and not uh, yeah. 10 years ago. 
Yeah. What was the one that stuck the most? Beers. Beers, yeah. I think yeah, with right. the Aaron boys it has, yeah. There's uh there's that. I don't know if you've got any more nicknames on the on the list. I've got one more, it's fucking market buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh yeah, that or the F Miz. I get called F Miz by my brother because yeah, they're obviously the the initials of the fucking market party, but there's a little bit of a story behind that as well. There's um this, this bloke, I won't say his name, but when I was first training with the seniors down at uh Devon Welsh Bull on Woodside, um, we did this drill and like a bloke had to stand in like there's four cones and it's a little gap and you have to stand inside there and while a bloke kicks it to you, he can get some handball receive and keeps going around to each of these little cone setups. And this bloke was, uh, he was kicking to me and I could have marked it and instead, because I have to stay inside the cones, I could have marked it because I had to reach for it, I sort of let it go and he, he's sort of like, he doesn't have a chin. So he sort of cocked his chin back and he's going, fucking mark it, buddy. <laughs> and from then on, everyone thought that was fucking hilarious. So fucking market party stuff. <laughs> He's that elite. I can imagine that, that you just never live that one down. <laughs> I was this fifteen-year-old kid thinking, oh, I just let that one go, and this thirty-year-old bloke just absolutely braided me. Uh, yeah, anyway, hopefully the podcast can make that one stick even further with the general public. <laughs> well, now, in the last couple of years, I haven't been able to market that well um, <laughs> at my level now, so I probably should stick. Well, I know, I know, I know what I'll be yelling at the TV. Um, we're going to move on to your school days now, um, and obviously you're a competitive, competitive beast. But apparently you were so competitive in school that you wouldn't even let anybody beat you in a warm-up lap in PE. Oh, I'd love to know who told you that, but <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I, I hated getting beaten at everything. So every time we do a warm-up lap for PE, I'd uh, take off and show off to the girls a little bit, I suppose, and. Um, looking back, I would have looked like a fucking idiot, but yeah, I used to try and win the warm-up lap. You're right. That is, that is true, that one. That's awesome. Now, I, I, don't, I don't have a name, but, but Snakey sent it into a group chat of some sort, and apparently your best mate was getting back to him with this. So you can say who your best mate might be, or if it's, if it's the wrong one, you might get yourself in hot water. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who it was. And then another one sent, sent by the same blog was that as soon as you were a sniff to get drafted, you didn't open up another textbook. <laughs> oh, nah, I, I wasn't good at school from, from the get-go. So I don't know if I ever had a textbook open. So, uh, yeah, I will come from a small country town. It was probably, you know, I probably got pumped up a little bit more. It was like we sort of hadn't, hadn't had anyone go to AFL ranks for, for years. I think the one before me was Royce Vardy, my, my cousin. And he would have been 10, 15 years before, before me. So I started getting a little bit of airtime in the Yarram Standard News and that sort of stuff. <laughs> and it probably went to my head a little bit. But um, yeah, I wasn't great at school prior to starting to go right at footy. So I don't think, I don't think it got to me that well. Yeah, well, that's actually a similar story to what Ponch did, but he just got overlooked, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning how to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. and with, with me, unfortunately, I was 
my hopes of getting drafted vanished when I was about 14. So I've been playing twos ever since. <laughs> did you go to school after 14? I did. I did. You wouldn't you think did? so, but I did. Yeah. Didn't open a textbook yeah. though. So. <laughs> Sorry out year 12? Just, just. Just, yeah. <laughs> now, this is potentially my favourite stitch up that we've ever gotten on the podcast. Huge. So I'm, I'm going to share it with you. And right. you've made the paper for this beautiful poem that you've written. <laughs> oh, I had a feeling tonight this was going to come out. Oh, now, God. for those people just listening, I'll read the poem and it's, it's a beautiful piece of literature. And I'm, I'm shocked that you, that you actually didn't pick up a book because you've got, clearly got a talent with literature. <laughs> the touch of your lips on mine <laughs> oh, boy. makes my heart beat fast and slow. <laughs> At the same time, forever, by Nathan Barty. <laughs> what happened, brother, with the literature career? <laughs> yeah, it's funny that come up because um, my missus said, "Oh, what are, what are the what's the Hello Game Day all about?" So I got her on your Instagram page, and she was watching Libbers, and he was talking about him doing liking to do poetry and that sort of stuff, and I was like. I bet you that poem comes up somewhere here tonight. I just, <laughs> I just knew it. Now there's a little bit of a story behind that as well. It's obviously not great. It's not a great look for me. I'm probably a touch embarrassed, but um, I actually got suspended for. So we had to do. I think they're called haiku, a haiku poem. I think that's what they're called, like a 21 syllable thing or something. And I actually You're got suspended from for, for um, plagiarising one off the internet. So, um, yeah, I had to I had to sit there with the teacher and do it um, obviously properly, and so a little bit of Lynn Harrison was the teacher if uh, if she's watching. Um, so I sat down. Uh, yeah, she's a fan. And it got um, <laughs> it got um, yeah, it got a little bit sloppy, I think. But yeah, I've got to got to live with that now. It's uh, I think it got to run in the. Uh, in the yearbook as well at school, so I think that's where it got oh, got got taken from. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with writing a bit of poetry, brother. We've uh, we've oh, all none, done it. None we've all, all had a broken heart. We've all had a broken <laughs> yeah. heart. And if yeah. you think that's bad, when I was 14, you think you're it's bad getting caught by a teacher. I got caught plagiarizing a poem by my girlfriend when I was 14. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh, there's a bit of effort in there. Surely she would have uh, appreciated the. She put the put the words into Google, and it was a pretty bloody good poem. So everyone sort of, no one really thought it was me. My mum sort of suspected the same thing, and I showed her. But my my girlfriend puts it in Google, and just comes straight up first thing that comes up. So I just got busted red-handed by a girlfriend. So it's not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's not good, is it? It's not good. At least mine won't resurface. But now, <laughs> on. on School days still. Word is that you used to lick all the handrails at school. Why? Why'd you do that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, I did it once. For, oh, such a yeah. Fucking hell. All right. Yeah, I, yeah, I did it once. Like, I don't know why we were just bored at school, and someone said, "I'll give you twenty bucks if you can lick the length of that handrail." And then it just turned into like, oh, someone else is, yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks as well. So then all of a sudden there was a crowd and I felt like I had to do it and I probably got that bit of show off in me. And again, like looking back, what was I thinking? 
Like, yeah. This is strange. I've done a lot worse well, for I, 20 I, bucks, I, mate. I didn't pay for <laughs> I, did, I didn't, didn't pay for lunch that day, I suppose. So that was a win, but... Mate, you yeah, would have gotten you telling back you in the day. How many, how many Dim Sims does that get you back in the day? <laughs> well, I reckon Dim Sims are about 50 cents back then. Yeah. Like, they've, they've gone through the roof. They could have broken new records. Now, <laughs> <laughs> moving on from your schooling days, I've got two more for you. And they're a okay. bit more light on, but this is still pretty funny. <laughs> Apparently, when you got back home on a New Year's Eve party, you went back to back to your hometown, hanging out with everyone, and a couple of girls come up. You're a big footy star. They come up to you and ask you for a photo. <laughs> you start posing for it, and then the girls say, they meant to say, that, can you take a photo of us? <laughs> And apparently you were just meant to take the photo. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true as well. Yes, forgotten about too. I thought that was deep, very deep. But yeah, I thought I was a bit of all right. Yeah, going back the 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 big fish in the little pond of Yarram, and yeah, these girls come up at the pub and said, "Can we get a photo? Uh, can you take?" I can't even remember how they put it, but whatever they said made me think they wanted a photo with me. And then, uh, yeah, they had to correct me and say, no, you take the phone. So that was quite embarrassing. And obviously the boys had a good laugh at that. <laughs> I'm surprised about that because Yarram is such a, such a footy town. I reckon I'd, I'd get a photo taken of me if I came to Yarram for playing Poo's <laughs> footy. <laughs> right, Yarram, it's all lives, lives and breathes footy, Yarram does. And they've got some great men coming out of there. Big Jed Lamb, we've had him on the podcast as well. Stitched him up to the gills. Oh, very good. He, he deserves it. Yeah, we threw him to the Sharks. Um, <laughs> now, the last one I've got for you is that yourself and Josh Caddy got a few tattoos of each other while you both played for Geelong. And he got a ladder for, for yourself, for the ladder man, and you got a bag of golf clubs. Now, apparently, Caddy is now telling everybody that, it, that his tattoo represents climbing for you to reach your goals. Has there been a falling out? <laughs> I... I knew he was saying that. I knew he was saying that. It hasn't been falling out. Me and Cats are, are still good mates. But um, I think he's, because that was the first tattoo he got. So I think he's a little bit embarrassed about just having this ladder on his leg. So he had to make it sound a little bit more special. But um, yeah, he went with the ladder and I've got a little golf bag. We, we uh, got bored in LA. So we just went and got it inked up. Is it readily accessible, the tattoo? Can we see it? Or is it in a in a place that you don't want to show? Oh, uh, nah. I'll keep it hidden. Yeah, no hidden. worries, mate. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Absolutely fair enough. Now, uh, we've got another photo to show you. And I want to know the story behind this because it's an absolutely magnificent and dynamic lid. We've pinched it off your Instagram, so I'm sure you probably know what it's going to be when Moosey gets it up and going. Here it is. <laughs> What's the story behind that? That's a pill if I've ever seen one. Conch, can you explain for the listeners what, how, how you would describe so it? Basically, you've got the, um, you've got the broom on t- up top. You know, you've kind of got just yeah, your horseman on the top and then you've got a little something hanging on the side and it's all pretty rough and spiky. So, and the rest is just a shaved pill. So what's the story behind that one? Oh, not too much. There was, uh, you know, how it goes, a few beers in the backyard and someone goes, oh, we should get the, the clippers out. So, and then it just turned in, all right, who can come up with the worst hair, hairdo? So that was sort of what I caught. But it didn't last a hell of a lot longer. Um, I think the boys are sort of calling it a bit of a pineapple sort of setup. But um, 
yeah, I uh, probably only held on to it for a day or so and then got rid of the rest. But uh, yeah, she was a she was a mean cut. That was an absolutely aerodynamic lead. If I ever seen. <laughs> now, yeah. Moose has touched on your your appetite earlier, and funnily enough, I actually had three different sources give me three different stories of your appetite. So I'll just give the true or false because we have touched this touched on this topic a lot. But one of them, the rumor has it that you inhaled forty chicken McNuggets at a sitting at McDonald's. So can we get the truth on that? Oh, uh, yeah, this, yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't true. even need to elaborate. Yeah, the next truth, uh, you would order two footlongs at Subway and absolutely punish those. So the truth on that? Yeah, true as well. I think there was a couple of times I tried to go for the third but couldn't knock <laughs> it over. So, yeah, I, I, I did it regularly until I decided, oh, you can get double meat. I might just go with that, save yourself a bit more money. Uh, I'll back it off a bit now. And the third one was uh, ordering the big breakfast twice in a sitting. <laughs> How do oh. you eat so much food? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I, don't know. I, grew, I grew up in the country. It's always, you know, mum and dad always had cows and sheep and everything to, in the freezer, sort of killed on the on the land. So I never had a shortage of food. And being a bigger fella, I just kept putting it away and I think maybe I've stretched all my organs to uh, accommodate that. <laughs> That's probably why I've grown so tall. But yeah, um, exactly. Now, we've, I've been asked to ask you about what happened with your old housemates in Josh Walker and George Burberry when they stole your dog, Fella. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they weren't actually living with me. So Burbs lived with me for a little while, but never lived with Walks. But um, yeah, this is a... So there was, there was a bit of stuff going on in Geelong um, with sort of like people going to houses and stealing dogs and to do like backyard dog fights. So it was like a bit of a problem in Ge- Geelong. So yeah, obviously not on and it's disgusting that it was even happening. But while this was in the news, they, Burbs and Walks thought it'd be a good idea while I wasn't home to go and steal my dog and then take photos of it, put it on Twitter and oh, say $10,000 to get your dog back or they're dead, like, thinking they're funny. Oh, and they said they, so they put a couple of things in there like, like, I love dogs or something was the handle, like little things that they think was the clues. But I've raced home, I'm calling people from the footy club, like, you know, I've got, I've got like, James Kelly called me straight away because he's seen it on Twitter and he's like, mate, you've got to get, are you home? Like, your dog's just been stolen, like all this sort of stuff. And so it it blew up. It absolutely turned into a shit show. But um, yeah, it's probably a little bit funny now, but at the time, like they just couldn't have picked the worst time and how they went about it. How long did they keep the dog gone. ransom for? Well, because I wasn't home, it probably took me 20 minutes to get home and yeah, they hide around the corner. And because I wasn't like, so when James Kelly called me, he, so he's seen it on Twitter. I hadn't even seen it on Twitter yet. And so he's called me and goes, mate, have you seen your Twitter? Blah, blah, blah. And then they kept tweeting me trying to get my attention. And I'm not even paying attention. I'm just driving straight home to see if they've actually stolen my dog. And I was like, you know, franting in, in the car. But um, yeah, they probably brought it back half an hour after I got home. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a strange time. <laughs> like, it was just one of those... Uh, 
those pranks gone wrong, really. Yeah, well, I, th- I thought you were going to say they kept it for a day and police got involved. So at least it wasn't as serious as oh, that. Well, I, I think that was the thing. I think they started to get um, the gist that it hadn't gone to plan. So otherwise, yeah. they might have held on to him for a day or two. I'm glad it didn't get escalated further than that. <laughs> so um, we'll move on. And I've got a couple more. So another one I've heard, Matt, not only you, you've had a man in your, your basketball days, but in your cricket days as well. So apparently you've opened the bowling for Devon Cricket Club and you've bowled a 14 ball over with a few balls not even landing on the pitch. <laughs> so can you tell us a story on that? Yeah, so I was never... So mum and dad sort of didn't see the sense of standing out on a cricket field all day during the summer. So they never sort of... I've got a couple of brothers and they never really said yeah, you can play cricket. So I sort of started to play probably just before I got drafted. So once I sort of got my licence and stuff, I started to join in and just fill in the weekends um, playing cricket. And I wasn't, I was never good at it, but I wasn't a bad bowler to start off with. And then I went back, I think in the Christmas break, the first year I was at Geelong and I played a couple of games. And for some reason, I could not bowl. So I opened the bowling and I literally got to the point where I had to just stand there and just roll it over. I couldn't run in anymore because I just wasn't, I wasn't even hitting the pitch. It was literally hitting the grass. So yeah, I'm not a cricketer. I don't think I ever will be, but yeah, it was embarrassing. And like, you know, come back thinking I'm a bit of a right footballer, opening the bowling, embarrass myself again. It's painful. So you probably be uh, the twelfth or even the thirteenth man when it comes to cricket going forward. Oh mate, yeah. carrying the drinks at best. That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> or, or beers, Vardy. You'll be sitting on the beers. Yeah, yeah. Only um, thing I'm good at there. So those were all the stitch ups we had for you, and uh, they were probably the best crazy. ones I reckon about. <laughs> <laughs> you were probably sweating. How many more do you have? Oh, so, I know. <laughs> I was like, and all of them, you know, as I said, it's sort of I thought were dead and buried just. Completely forgotten about, and they just find a way to. That's what we do best. That is, it's it's what we do best on this. I think the stitch ups are the most important and favourite part of our uh, little operation here. So I'm glad that. Beautiful. So, (laughs) moving into some more uh, footy based questions, and Geelong are notoriously known for being the very best when it comes to Mad Monday. So, who would be the top contender when it comes to dressing up? Uh, obviously, yeah, Geelong's pretty, it gets documented pretty well there, Mad Mondays. They've got the news crew there every every time. And um, obviously, Matthew Scarlett was probably the king of it while while he was there. He always went um, the extra mile with his kits and stuff. And I think he thought pretty hard about it most of the year. So, you know, they always say, the older boys, like, you know, don't think about Mad Monday. We've got football to think about, but... As soon as they rock up Mad Monday, it's like, well, you've been thinking about this for six months. So, <laughs> do as I say, not as I do sort of mantra with them. But, yeah, I think Scarlett and um, Corey Enright were probably the best too. And um, I think most people have seen that as well. They were pretty good on the beers as well. So, um, they backed it up. Because I was going to say, who is, there's the best dress, but who was in the best form usually when it came to the, uh, the silly celebrations? Yeah, those two were usually up there. Um, well, Billy Smets was usually um, on one. He's usually uh, up for a good time and a bit of a laugh. So um, he was always pretty good. And 
Um, most of the boys had a crack. That was, you know, even the guys that don't really have a beer, they're a bit more um, quiet during the year. That's usually their time to let their hair down as well and really enjoy it with the boys and, and celebrate the year that was. Absolutely. And on a footy perspective now, I think something that was really amazing, I think, especially for yourself, um, for some recognition, the, the 2018 grand final moment, and I'll get to that in a few other questions, but, you know, if that kind of doesn't happen and you don't get that grand final moment, I don't think as many people would get to reflect on your time at the Cats. So you kind of spent a seven-year span at the category where you're restricted through injuries, uh, and they seem to happen at the worst time. And one of them was obviously the hip injury in round 21, causing you to miss the grand final. So what was your mind frame like that in the weeks after missing out on the uh, successful finals campaign? Yeah, it was a, it was a tough one because well, it was only my second year. So obviously thought, oh, yeah, this sucks. Like I, I just missed out on a flag and, you know, I'd like to think that I would have been playing um, if I was fit. But I sort of had the mindset that oh, I'll win my next year. Like too long playing in flags all the time and grand finals all the time. So I was like, oh, I'll just get back and play in one next year. And the hip injury obviously lasted a lot longer and caused me a lot more grief than I thought it would initially as well. But it probably didn't it didn't sting that much, I think, because I just thought, oh, we'll just win one next year. I didn't really have an understanding of how hard it was to win them. Um, so then I think that's what made 2018 a heap sweeter. In, in that respect, that I I've seen one, seen how hard it was, missed out on one, and then you know sort of had to deal with a lot of stuff with you know injuries and whatnot, um, and then to get one was uh, yeah, it's pretty special. Absolutely, and then going further on your injury woes, like in 2013, you have another good run of form, and you get another chance of making it to a grand final, playing in the prelims against Hawthorne, and you come up five points short. And then not long long after, your momentum of form is crushed in 2014 with the knee reconstruction, and it costs you the entirety of 2014, and then it just limits you to four more games over the next two seasons. So as I said, it was clear uh, the move to West Coast was such a success for yourself, but during those three years prior, to that trade, how close were you to throwing in the towel? Because it would have just felt like those seven years, uh, every time you got close to the ultimate success or having a breakout season, you were just struck down with misfortune. Yeah, the the 2013 prelim sucked because I think we're up by three or four goals at three-quarter time as well and, and got overrun. Because I remember actually um, standing... You kicked a handy snag? Time. Yeah, I kicked it. I think that's the only left-foot snag I've ever kicked too, so... It was uh, my left leg's purely for balance. It does nothing else, to be honest. But um, yeah, I remember standing in the three-quarter time huddle of the, that prelim and thinking, "Oh shit, I'm going to be in the big dance next week." I thought we we're home, and then yeah, next, next minute we we're, uh, we're five points down and, and missed out. So that was obviously heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, I, I did play. I reckon I got back from my hip, mate. I sort of. I played maybe a couple of games in the 2012 and then my hip sort of caused me grief again that pre-season. I didn't play again until about around 10 or 11, I reckon, in 2013 and then was able to play most of that year. So I did think I was starting to get um, a good run at footy again and um, obviously playing in a prelim and missing out on a grand final made me think, oh, I'm going to come back bigger and better next year, hopefully take that next step and then, yeah, in the pre-season, um, did my ACL at training. So, 
Um, yeah, that sucks. And then obviously you're going to miss 12 months with that. But then I ended up having just strange, compli- not strange complications, but I just had to keep having clean outs. And I actually got to go to Europe and do a European summer through that year. So the, uh, they let me do my off season during the footy season because I'd be able to do more during the off season. So that was probably the best part of doing my knee. Six (laughs) six weeks or seven weeks in Europe and do a European summer um, when, you know, footballers just never get that chance. So um, that was obviously a positive out of that. But in hindsight, it probably made me have an extra surgery on my knee. So, um, yeah, that made it tough to to play um, in the years after that. But I did probably get close to giving it away a little bit with with my knee because with my hip, I just I just always thought I'd get back. And because I kept having setbacks with my knee, it's just like maybe I'm just not meant to play footy. Maybe I'm not built for it. Like it's getting frustrated. I've seen all the guys that got drafted with, or guys that got drafted in years after me, you know, really go ahead with their footy and play good footy and play consistent footy, and it just really felt like I was getting left behind, and I I, I found it a really frustrating time. Absolutely, and I think. That's the most exciting thing about what happens next in your story because, you know, you have such a hard luck. But the trade to West Coast, you, you play 22 games while last set and that Nui are out for the season. Like, that season alone must have felt like such a redemption and reward after such poor luck. Like, playing nearly the same amount of games it took you to play seven years prior to reach. Yeah, definitely. And I think, well, when I got to West Coast, it was actually the first preseason I ever did. So, I... I was able, a full pre-season anyway. So I think I was just able to get my body, you know, to a point where I was able to keep playing football and build that resilience. Because I think in years previous, it was, you know, I'd do a four-week block of, you know, training before I was able to join in games because games were being played. So, um, yeah, to play 22 games in the first year um, was obviously awesome because I, I... got a taste of just backing up footy week after week and what it actually takes to have your body right. So I probably, you know, I think I was 26 or something when I got to West Coast and, you know, I sort of felt in ways that I was like a first or second year player because there's all, all this stuff that I was sort of learning about um, playing football and playing AFL football on a regular basis that I hadn't been able to do. Absolutely. And I feel like pushing forward to the grand final, it must have been incredible for yourself to experience the grand final week and the moment that was, it probably would have been more cherished, especially after your story of resilience. Yeah, it was obviously an amazing time. And, you know, as, you know with like 2011 when I missed out, um, I probably got lucky in 2018. Um, like, I probably wouldn't have been playing if Nick hadn't, hadn't got hurt. So, you know, as much as I feel for Nick, like, I've got to realise, you know, I'm pretty lucky to be part of it. So, um, it was an amazing lead up to it. Obviously, it's a bit different. Like, obviously, I was sort of part of it with Geelong, um, sort of seeing the week, but not actually doing what they were doing. But, um, yeah, it was a bit different doing it from West Coast because we had to, you know, fly over and, you know, fly a whole family over and do this and, all in hotels and stuff like that and we had 
once the game actually gets played, we stay in Melbourne for the first night and and then fly back uh, on the Sunday. So uh, it was an amazing experience, and yeah, I find myself probably thinking back to it to that day uh, a lot, to be honest. Absolutely. And could you just talk us through that moment when the final siren rang and you won, and then just some of the celebrations? Are there any stories in the aftermath of the the win that you can enlighten us on, or are they just going to be just kept for the uh, West Coast four walls? Uh, well, the, the moment the siren rang was... Because uh, there were times, because we were down for most of the game, um, and I think in the last quarter, we, we probably peppered the goals a little bit, so we weren't getting that score on the scoreboard, and it just felt like... A lot of the time, it felt like we you know, we were out of time. Uh, we got to the point where it was like, oh, we, we just... yeah. We're not going to win this. We're, we've missed out, and because the, the runner just wasn't getting out to us enough to to really say, all right, there's you know, there's five minutes, there's ten minutes, there's whatever it is. But it felt like the quarter had been going forever, and you know, we just weren't kicking goals. Um, and then obviously um, that play happened where Gov marked it, and then went down to Dom, and Dom kicked the goal. And um, once we hit the front, it was like, oh, surely they don't have enough time now. So we sort of started to soak it up a little bit um, until Jack Darling dropped that mark in the goal square and it was like, oh, it's going to go down the other end and we're going to get stitched up here. But yeah, we are able to hang on and, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing feeling and just the, the, whole, the whole day, like, you know, you, the lead up to the game, then the game, then, you know, you, on the, everything you used to watch growing up and, you know, you just, you know, you two would have been the same. You'd sit there and watch all the AFL grand finals and you'd sort of, yeah, you'd dream as a kid. So it was pretty amazing to then be one of those guys that was doing the lap of honour and, you know, holding the cup and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was pretty special. But, um, yeah, to stories. Um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't really pep you too much. So once again, yeah. Mine, that's completely fine. But there's any little uh, little side stories or anything funny that kind of happened? Well, we uh, the my favourite part probably of celebrations was the flight home on Sunday morning. So we we left the hotel I think at about nine o'clock. We went to um, the airport and we're straight in the Virgin Lounge and we're drinking in the Virgin Lounge and carrying on. And um, there's 20 seats in business class, so we got all 20 20 seats. And, you know, the other two boys or whatever come up as well. And they were all just making us drinks and we were just drinking on the flight home the whole way. And that was probably one of the best moments because it was just the 22 up there just talking shit, just, you know, having a ball, um, about to go home to the state where, you know, we're going to get supported and celebrated even more. And it was just a real cool time. So I was just going to ask, obviously being a footballer is only a small part of your life and there's so much other stuff that you've got going on. Uh, you've got your wife, Madison, as well. How long did it take you to propose to Madison? Not wife yet. We're meant to get married at the end of the year. Um, but obviously COVID sort of made a mess of that. So, um, yeah, not wife yet, but I have proposed and it did take me a little while, but um, maybe four, four years, I think. But um, yeah, uh, I was probably getting the hurry up a little bit, but um, <laughs> just wanted to do it in my time. Yeah, exactly right. And how how did you guys meet? 
Um, I played footy with her twin brother, Billy, at Geelong. Is that what you're getting at something here? I can feel it. No, no, not at all, not at all. I was actually just curious <laughs> because the same last name. I, I, I assumed it was Billy Smith's sister or sister. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, nice. so um, we've that's how we met. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Now I just I feel like you're on edge. Going to come crumbling down hey, again. Yeah. Are gone, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So we're just having a conversation now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. And you've uh, obviously yeah. you've got your uh, one-year-old child. And uh, I asked you before we started the podcast how the name's pronounced because when I saw it, I thought Bo, but it's but it's actually Bo. B B O. Yeah, Bo. Well, what does what does O H spell? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it's Poe, so he's our little man, and um, yeah, he's uh, he's getting pretty full on now. He's running around and going crazy, but um, it's pretty it's pretty fun being a dad. Um, I'll give you the hot tip. Don't know about you boys. Have you got any kids or? No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a I, was <laughs> I thought I was too, but. Um, I'm glad I uh, pulled trigger, mate. I was going to say, because one of the things I love asking blokes on the podcast who have had kids is just like, because I haven't had any kids yet, but everyone seems to just light up when they talk about their kids and like the experience of having kids and what sort of perspective it's given them. And I was wondering like, what kind of um, perspective has it given you? I think especially for footballers, like you know, we got, fair few ups and downs with, with what we do, you know, whether it's, you know, it's injuries or, or whatever, or just literally you played a bad game. I think every time you come home, you it's probably similar to a dog, but yeah, you know, your kids don't, don't care. Like they come home, they're still smiling, they're still happy to see you. And I think it's just a, it's a good chance to just forget about things that suck in life because they're just so happy and so innocent. And I think that's probably what I've enjoyed the most because, sort of footy is such a roller coaster sort of ride. I think being able to come home and, and just have this little kid that just obviously depends on me so much but just loves me as well. And you know, nothing seems to really worry him. So I think just having that rub off on me is pretty special. That's awesome, man. And obviously uh your fiance Madison is your best friend as well. And how, and you guys are both loving it together. How are you what are your parental tactics and what are you looking to <laughs> To get out of, oh, out of yeah, the, I think one. I think I think we're trying to just make it up as we go. I think because we're over in Perth and neither of us have got family over here, so you know, it's probably been pretty hard. We've been left to ourselves and maybe a few FaceTime calls or whatever, just trying to get tips if he doesn't go to sleep or whatever. But yeah, I think at the moment we're just literally just making it up as we go and um, hoping for the best. He's sort of testing us a little bit at the moment because he doesn't understand the word no. And <laughs> we're just like, I think that it's a good idea to yell at him. But then Maddie will say, oh, why don't you just try and speak to him nicely and see if he listens to that and stuff like that. So every sort of few months, like the kids change and they do things differently and they're a bit smarter and they test the boundaries a bit more. And I think that's probably the, the best bit. It's just you've got to keep trying to make it up and grow on the run as well. Yeah, well, mate, obviously got a lot going on for you at the moment in terms of your recovery from your injury and, and um, you know, having a one-year-old kid and a fiancé. So congratulations and thank you so much for making the time for us because we really appreciate it. And uh, apologies for all of the stitch-ups, but you, but you just had too many. We couldn't, we couldn't, we, we were knocking them back. We are beating them off with sticks. 
Yeah, no, nah, thanks for that, boys. It was a bit of a trip down memory lane that I didn't really want to take. So, uh, <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. Uh, once again, mate, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've taken this on like a champ and we've, yeah, we've really gone hard on you. But, yeah, this has been a great insight because you've been the first West Coast player we've had. So, truthfully, like, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate.